and welcome, fellow Warhammer 40k hobbyists and podcast listeners, to Crew Shaken, a Warhammer 40k podcast recorded in the grimdark city of brotherly love and sisterly affection, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, in the United States of America. I am your host, Tim, and I'm very excited to be here, and thank you for joining me. This is the first episode of Crew Shaken. I hope each episode to bring you a balance between tactics and fluff discussion. I'm going to try to keep the shows relatively evergreen, meaning I don't think we'll be focusing on news and rumors and things like that, very timely stuff. There are lots of great podcasts that focus very specifically on that stuff or bring it up frequently. I hope people that are new to the hobby and experienced in the hobby will get something out of Crew Shaken, and I hope to achieve that by having a rotating cast of guest hosts come and join me here in the studio. I'm relatively new to the hobby, so I hope to bring that new that new player curiosity to our discussions, and I hope to have some very experienced players come and join me in the studio to give their a more wizened view, if you will, and I hope to learn stuff from them, and I hope that you do as well. So each episode is going to be divided into a couple of sections. Uh, first up is going to be hobby progress, just a little bit about what myself and my guest or guests have been working on recently in the hobby. Uh, next section we're calling Managing the Meta, which is tactics, tricks, and tips in dealing with a very specific part of the 40k meta. In this first episode, we're talking about the big tau, meaning those big battle suits. The next section is called Orbital Upload. That'll be more hobby-related tips and tricks, as much as we can talk about this very visual hobby in the podcasting format. After that will be Future History. That's a look at a very specific piece of the fluff, be it a character or chapter or legion or what have you. That'll be a bit of a fluff investigation and discussion. And the last section we'll do is called Chosen. That's kind of our pick of the episode, something related to the hobby that we really like, that we'd like to share with our listeners, and then we'll wrap up the show after that. If you like what you hear, we are on Facebook at facebook.com slash crew shaken. And do leave us a review on iTunes if you, uh, if you enjoy the show. So with that, let me welcome my first guest. Brian, thank you for joining me and welcome to Crew Shaken. Hey Tim, good to be here. So without further ado, hobby progress, I'll get us started. Um, a big part of my hobby progress in the last couple of weeks has been uh, getting everything ready for this podcast recording. We are recording this in my basement here in Philadelphia, which is also my gaming space and hobby space. Um, so getting the table ready, getting the mixer ready, getting the microphones, getting these neat clip-on stands, getting the pop filters, pop, pop, pop. Um, in addition to that, I've been uh, priming and doing some some base coats on an Iron Hands army, which is a, a really fun project. It's going to be a, a big Iron Hands force. Some bits and pieces from the Burning of Prospero and Betrayal at Kalth box set. So there's a little bit of older armor bits in there. Uh, mixed in as well with a couple of those fine cast Iron Hands upgrade packs that you can get from the GW website. I think they're I think they're nineteen dollars US, and they give you you know a couple of heads, a couple of sets of legs. There's some different weapon options, and they're cool. They look good. They add a little bit of uh, something special to the army. They have those Iron Hands like the three dimensional pauldrons that have the hand on it and whatnot. So that looks kind of cool. I'm going with a real straight ahead paint scheme. It's going to be very Iron Handsy. They're going to be black. It'll be black power armor. I'd like to put a, a just a hit of Martian red on them somewhere. So when they're allied in with my War Convocation, when they're allied in with other Skatarii and Admech, they'll fit right in. Part of the fluff that I've worked on is is the reason why this Admech force is so loyal to this particular uh, tech priest 
who in my case is a woman. And we'll get more into that as the podcast evolves. But yeah, that's been my that's been my hobby progress is really getting everything ready for this podcast and uh, working on the iron hands. Brian, what have you been getting into in the hobby? What have I been getting into the hobby? You've uh, been getting into quite a bit. I know you've been busy. Quite a bit. Yeah, my whole month of uh, December <laughs> was dedicated to finishing off my recently started Raven Guard army. That entails uh, three squads of Tactical Marines, two squads of Vanguard, two squads of uh, Assault Marines, uh, two squads of Scouts, and uh, I had all my vehicles painted, so I think that's just just a lot of infantry. It's a lot of infantry. Yeah. It's a lot oh, of guys. two squads of Devastators. Forgot the Devastators. <laughs> I can't... And they were the most recently painted. Those uh, were my most, most recent edition. And they're all painted and based. Uh, they are now, yep. That's As of uh, this morning. It's <laughs> yeah. just great. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of work. It, it, the, but taking advantage of that holiday break, it was smart to oh, kind yeah. of just dive yeah. into it and attack it all at once. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right, that's it for Hobby Progress for this first episode. Great Brian, progress. Brian turned out a ton of Raven Guard in the last couple of months, and I'm making serious headway into uh, this Fist of Medusa Strike Force. A whole fistful. <laughs> <laughs> a whole fistful of progress. <laughs> Anyhow, we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. All right, welcome to the first ever Managing the Meta section. This one, we're focusing on the Big Tau. Those big Gundam-like robotic monstrosities that can stare you down or yeah, you can stare down. Okay, careful what you call monstrosities. <laughs> <laughs> they're beautiful babies. No, they're, they're, they're big, bad, and beautiful, certainly. There's definitely a psychological factor to playing Definitely. an army with all those big tau robots yep. it does look like all hex is about to break loose on the table when you see them on the other side sure. of the table those models look like they're going to yeah. take you I out i can say yeah. the same about your imperial knight <laughs> yeah, yeah some... it's the same it's the same kind yeah, of psychology I, I, right yeah just, i think it, it has feels... to just do the scale of the model yeah. i think is a big part it of it it just feels so. extremely menacing right yep. um and a, a big part of the tau fluff is that they have all this you know they're one of the newer races to the galaxy yep um, they have, they're very technologically advanced, and they pour a lot of their technology into these yep. suits, into these battle suits, right? Into these piloted yeah. vehicles, essentially, that mimic sure. their own body shapes, yep. right? So let's take a look at, uh, from an offensive and defensive perspective, these the big Tau. I know in your list building, you have a very competitive list with some of the big suits in it. Yep. So just from an overall kind of umbrella, 10,000-foot view of the big Tau situation, yep. right? How do they fit into your lists, and how do you use them offensively? Okay, so using the big old bad, um, the mechs that the Tau have, the one that I use, I think a lot of people use, is the, the Riptide Battlesuit. For the points you, you pay, which is, which is 180 points flat, you get uh, a Toughness 6, 2-up save, 5-up uh, invone, monstrous creature. Uh, that also has a Nova Reactor built in that can give it either a 3-up invone, a uh, bigger blast on its guns, 46 uh, jetpack move, or ripple fire, which is two extra shots with its smaller guns. So it basically has a lot of versatility. If you need movement, you have it. If you want survivability, you have it. So um, what I, 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 did, I didn't realize that you chose at the beginning of each movement phase what that reactor is going to be doing. Yeah, That's so cool. yeah, uh, there's some risk to it because on a roll of a one or a two, you take a wound yourself, but uh, a good way to uh, fight that. Some people would say attacks, but I, I think it's a, it's a must-have is the stimulant injectors, which is a five plus feel no pain, uh, which you can roll for that because it says no saves of any kind of allowed, but feel no pain isn't in the save. Right. So you can use that for that. So you can sometimes negate that uh, reactor 
meltdown. Gotcha. So you roll a one or a two, you take the wound, you roll yep. five or a six in the next roll, and you're good. Three up. That was to three up. Yeah, it's a three oh, up. Oh, great. So, yeah. yeah so, so chances are you're good. Yeah, good. If you see uh, a menacing melee unit bearing down on your tide, I'm like, do I fight or flight? You know, you have your options. You, you have the three up invuln, you can slap onto them, or you got the 4d6 thrust move, potentially can move two feet away from that unit and um, maybe not even see him from the rest of the game. You know? Wow, yeah. How many points is the uh, stimulant injection? Uh, 35 points. So with the bigger mechs, they boost up the pointage by 20 points. Yeah. So, But with regular battle suits, it's only 15 points. 15, right. But for yeah. these big guys, it's 35. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, cool. Um, so let's start at the high numbers. Let's start at that uh, that supremacy suit. Yep. So the KX-139 supremacy suit is, I guess, the pride and joy of their uh, Tau Earthcast. It says here it's larger than any other current class of battle suit. And it is pretty big. I've never seen one in person, but I've seen the scale photos of it. Yeah. And this thing is pretty... I think it's like two feet tall. Or it's something. a monster. Yeah. I mean, it is a big, big model. It's... Yeah. It's a big model and it has the points to back it up. 600 points. Basically, looking at this thing, it's a it's a beast of a backline holder, across the map pounding. It's not going to move very much, but it's gonna it's gonna bring the pain, right? And that stat line is pretty ridiculous, yep. right? Weapon skill three, ballistic skill three, strength eight, toughness nine, ten wounds, two up save, and only a five up invuln. But it also increases to a 4-up invuln against shooting attacks, so that's all you need. So hopefully you're not getting close combat uh, with it, right. so you need to have your uh, buffer units around it to keep it up and going. So it, yeah, it, so it it's could something be, you'd bubble wrap with something else. Yeah, it could right. be susceptible to close combat, but I find it hard to believe anything's going to get even close to it with the amount of fire it's packing. Stock, it comes with this, the Vigilance Defense System. It's two smart missile systems. It has this burst cannon, yep. which is a strength 5, AP 5, assault 4, 18 inches. Yep. The pulse ordnance multi-driver, which is strength 8, AP 3, apocalyptic barrage 3, with no cover. <laughs> that, it's just crazy. I mean, it yeah. does cover. That's a lot of pain to put in 120 inches. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know why they even bother getting 120 inches. Ooh, they should just say unlimited. You, you know, <laughs> <laughs> You can put it on the next table, practically. Yeah. <laughs> oh, across the room, sure. That's, <laughs> that's great. You do pay for it. As you said, it's 600 points. So it might be the kind of thing that fits into an APOC game or, you know, you could put it in, into an 1850 list, but you're going to that's going to be the whole list. I mean, that's almost, I think that's what the Magnus model is pointed at. It's like right around 600. Yeah, yeah. So it's so going to be like the showpiece. If I had to take Magnus the Red or the Supremacy Armor, I would point at the Supremacy <laughs> Armor all the way. Sure, it might be a little bit more expensive cash-wise to get than Magnus, but it's still, I think, would be beat him out any day it's just massively powerful in terms of in terms of the, the, the pain it can deal way across the table coming with a pulse ordnance multi-driver strength d large blast no massive blast a seven inch plate take out magnus in one shot i don't I, think I, he could do that to you <laughs> I, don't, I don't like it one bit i don't yeah. like it one bit um, let's move down the list then. If that's if that's the biggest guy in terms of the big tau, the storm surge is the next one down, which is the KV-128, which according to uh, Games Workshop, an absolute colossus of the of a machine, piloted by graduates of the Veshoni Vash. It's designed to be an extreme heavy weapons platform. 360 points. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about the storm surge at 360 points? 360 points, I think, is a uh, good enough point sink into it because, again, it's... T6 only. Yeah. Surprising enough, when I saw that come out on uh, White Dwarf, I'm like, oh, that thing looks awesome. What are its stats? T6. I'm like, T6? Mm -hmm. Are you telling me Baltus can hurt this thing? <laughs> <laughs> you know? But again, it comes down to 
our bolt is going to be in range of this thing. That's right, yeah. <laughs> you can know? get close enough, right? Yeah, right. so. Right. Eight wounds, initiative two, um, two attacks, a weapon skill of two. Oh, that's that's powerful. <laughs> yeah. If you look at any stats, it's weapon skill two. Um, ballistic skill of three, but you're looking for the buffs from everything else. That yeah, the exactly. Tower can yep. give it. It's got the three up save. It comes stock with a cluster rocket system at 48 inches of strength five, AP five, heavy four D6 shots. Yeah, that that's awesome, and then that can even be increased to eight d six when it sinks its anchors in and gets to fire all of its, its weapons a second time if it didn't move. Destroyer missile, range sixty, strength eight, AP one, heavy one, one use only. One use only, but if it's supplemented with a marker light use, it turns into a strength D oh. missile. So and it's going to be hitting on twos because anything that's pointed with the marker light, like just like the secret missiles, hits on two, ignoring cover. So, strength D, that's great. That's you know? just great, yeah, that's so. just great. And looking down the list, there is a smart missile system on here, which ignores cover as well. Some key upgrades I would bring for it, definitely, is the pay for the points. I think it's 50 points for the shield generator, because it has no invuln base, uh, you know? So, yeah, you get the built-in uh, gargantuan feel-no-pain, but you need that invuln against the amount of grav right. is in nowadays, or right. any strength 6, so any AP... Uh, AP3, it's only three up armor as well. Grav is going to be the big thing with all these, yeah. right? Because they're not vehicles. They have a, you know, they have a regular armor saved roll against. So yeah. You're going to be your grav can really come up big against these guys. Yeah. Let's uh, let's keep looking down the list. I think the next number we're getting away from the KVs. Do you know what the K stands for in the flight? <laughs> I do not. I'm a, I'm a terrible. I, I tried to I tried to find it, but I couldn't find the the logic behind the the nomenclature. But looking down at the XV. Is that the next one you have there, the XV-109? Uh, 107. We have Viner oh, right. Battlesuit. Yep. Mm -hmm. And that's a Forge World Battlesuit. Uh -huh. That is a variant off of the Riptide model. So I b still believe it It does have the uh, Nova Reactor built in, but I think its uh, benefits are slightly different. Yeah, this was an, it's an offshoot of the Riptide. Yeah. It sacrifices mobility for heavier armor and increased firepower. In the form of two submunition, two pulse submunition cannon experimental weapon systems, which fire micro cluster projectiles capable of saturating a target area in a deadly storm of plasma pulses. Jeez, that sounds bad. That must be the pulse submunitions cannon. That's range 60 inches, strength 6 AP4, heavy one large blast with cluster fire. What's that cluster fire special rule? So the cluster fire special rule, just looked it up. Very bulky models, as well as those with bike slash jet bike slash beast slash cavalry type, suffer two hits each from this weapon at an increased strength of seven. Okay, so that's uh, basically a uh, plus one strength against that type from right. the regular ammunition cannons, because that's strength six normally, but now it's going to be bolstered up to seven. So like a lot of those models, they get base they get the plus one for being mounted like they are so right. like Eldar jet bikes instead of being t3 they're t4 and space means t4 to t5 so i think that kind of counteracts it mm. in a way mm -hmm. but i think that's a really cool mechanic that they uh incorporated with the cluster fire to combat that so that was the 107 arvarna battle suits let's look at the riptide which is the xv 104 riptide i feel like this is more common this yeah. is the one that everybody talks about and kind of takes. You know, exactly, I know, I know yeah. you have a really punchy Riptide's kind of centered list. Yeah. Basically, with the Riptide, it's the mainstay of any list that people bring. And uh, it's uh, like I said earlier, it's 180 points base, but a lot of people take the 35-point upgrade to give it uh, Feel No Pain. and right, then the uh, stimulant uh, Yeah, injectors. stimulant injectors. Right, right. So that's uh, kitted out to a 205 
then you probably either want to pay the five points for the ion accelerator, which is the AP2, strength eight AP2 large blast, or strength seven AP2 three shots, or if you use a Nova reactor, it can be a strength nine AP2 large blast that's or also ordnance. So and is that do you have to roll? For you that have to, to go roll. Off? It's yeah. another uh, Nova reactor thing. Gotcha. So, so you can choose that. The, yeah, as the benefits. Right? Yeah. So it also can take any of the basic crisis suit uh, weapons, or so most of them. So it can either take smart missiles, plasma rifles, or fusion blasters. So either the strength six AP two plasma rifle, the ignoring cover strength five smart missiles, or the tau melter equivalent fusion blaster, which is eighteen inch range strength eight AP one. You take. I think it's two Riptides and a Ghost ghost Keel? Uh, only the one and a Ghost Keel. So just, one Riptide. Just one and one. Just one. one and okay, one. Cool. So. And the Ghost Keel is the next one up here. It's the XV95. Yep. Um, so we'll talk about the Ghost Keel, and then we'll talk about putting those two together. And yep. what, what And what kind of havoc they can wreck across the table. So this is a... I like how in the first line of the story here from Games Workshop, they talk about a huge, deadly, and nigh undetectable weapon of impressive yeah, killing. Great. I guess hence the name Ghost Keel, right? Yeah. What's, so what's so special about the Ghost Keel? What the Ghost Keel is basically a, a buffed-up version of the regular stealth suits that the Tau employ all the time. So I think the fluff behind it was that in some secret uh, testing facility, they finally managed to get these used-to-be experimental uh, war suits out on the field and that sometimes the pilots inside actually become neurologically attached to the suit they'd rather be inside the suit than mm. talking to other people outside of it so yeah. because their missions sometimes have them six months sitting in the same position waiting for the target to show up oh, that's so great. yeah, that's yeah great. so definitely ta- uh, ties into the tau ethos of the patient hunter right that extreme dedication to the task at hand yeah, yeah. there's some similar stories about knights and uh, titan princeps okay like just being being stuck in that kind of headspace with their machine all the time. Yeah, yeah it's, it's 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 great yeah. background, great background. So talking about the the whole uh, stats behind it, it's 130 points for the basic. Um, either you can take the fusion blaster, mm-hmm. which is a basically a l- small blast, 18 inch range melter, or you can take the fusion collider, or you can take the ion accelerator, which is a strength seven AP four six shots, which is I I use all the time. Um, it's the same points cost of either one, and then you can either equip it with uh, twin linked flamers, burst cannons, or melters. So with this one, I pay the fifteen points for the melters as well, and on top of that, I give it feel no pain, mm. just in case of anything. Because for the most part, it ha- it it has stealth enshrouded because the two uh, drones that comes with it, the drones give the units uh, shrouded. And then the the main suit itself has stealth, so uh. it has a four up save in the open. But if you're outside of twelve inch range, the suit doubles its cover save, so it basically has a two up save in the open if you're far enough away. It's so great! That's the Ghost Keel Electro Warfare Suite. Yeah, <laughs> that's an awesome name. It and is sweet. <laughs> right, right, right into that, I see the Holo Photon Countermeasures. This yep. is a cool one. Once per battle in the enemy shooting phase, a model equipped with Holo Photon Countermeasures can disrupt the targeting system used by one enemy unit that is targeting it, or the unit it belongs to. Declare that the unit will use the Holo Photon Countermeasures after the enemy uses and has chosen it as a target, but before any to hit rolls are made. And it's you're you're making it snap fire in that shooting phase. Exactly. Yeah. Once per game. Yeah. So if you, that could really save the day. Yeah. So if you're like targeting this unit with a blast, oh, you snap fire and can't fire that blast anymore. You just ruined your whole. You're shutting down yeah. blast weapons entirely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's a one use only, but it's a powerful one use only. So. Talk about the formation that you run with the Ghost Kill and the Riptide together. So I use the optimized stealth cadre primarily, but then I 
I use the Hunter contingent that also has the uh, Riptide in it. So the optimized stealth cadre is the two stealth battle suits and the Ghost Kill itself. And then in the bigger formation of the Hunter contingent is the Hunter cadre, which is, is basically the core of the list. I use my Ghost Kill is basically to infiltrate the center of the board, but have my uh, Riptide kind of behind it a ways so if he's in the center of the board the the riptide's probably like 18 inches away from the ghost kill so the ghost kill kind of acts as a buffer into itself right for the riptide but then the stealth suits around the ghost kill act as a buffer to the ghost kill so right. there's multiple la uh, layers right i try to play into my list so you're keeping it away from assaults with yeah. those stealth suits around the ghost yeah, kill because yeah. with the hunter contingent the towels inherent uh supporting fire instead of being six inches away can be 12 inches away in which any unit being assaulted within that round can have their friends within that range overwatch as well right. so right. that can be pretty uh, devastating because having like oh, i'm gonna assault this unit okay you're gonna get overwatched by three units you yeah. know and that one unit behind the wall that has uh, smart missiles because it, it doesn't north, need it doesn't yeah. need line of sight <laughs> yeah so so awesome yeah um, we'll keep working our way down. What about the broadside, the XV88 broadside? This says, designed to offer long-range support. Yep. It has exceeded expectations, becoming a mainstay of the Hunter Cadre and chank killers of legendary proportions. Powered by a particle accelerator, which is that big, huge weapon that it, the model is almost like leaning over, yep. like holding that, uh, that particle accelerator up. It's a, it's a heavy rail rifle shot. Can penetrate the thickest plasteel bunkers. 65 points. Doesn't seem too bad. No, not too bad much at all. Firepower, yeah, yeah. Um, it also comes with a nice uh, two-up save as well, which is uh, better than the uh, crisis suits. Based, same stat line as the crisis suits, except it has a two-up arm save instead of the three. So it can be instant killed, but it's t the two-up save protects it, and you want to keep these guys in cover and towards your table line, because 60-inch range with the heavy rail rifle... No reason to get out anywhere. No, yeah, yeah. strength 8 AP1, it's like, okay, I'll plug away anything, you know, either, if it's Terminators or vehicles, you know, you're going to yeah. be mashing through them. You can even get lucky in the front of Bane Blades with that, too. Yeah, that's true great. enough, yeah. That's great. Another uh, way to get them out is having the high yield missile pods as well and that's which is now more popular than the heavy ray rifle for strength 7 ap4 uh, missile shots that are twin linked and then they get the smart missiles on top of that it's just a weight of dice Awesome. That, that they bring you're rolling a lot when you're doing that yeah what about the homing special rule do you know that one that is just inherent to the um smart, the smart missiles, missiles in general yeah. across all the suits yeah across yeah. all suits so anything with or tanks too uh hammerhead gunships also have smart missiles on them anyway with that on rule, them yeah and what that rule is they ignore cover and ignore line of sight so anything within 30 inches of it can get shot by the smart missiles so it's just awesome if you want to hide behind a wall and just lobbing stuff over it is just a great feature 30 inches is a, a nice reach and strength 5 ap5 is is a, a good little hit against any troop choice that's no joke i mean yep. against space marines in cover against admex guitaria yep. in cover that's that's gonna that's gonna do some work uh let's look at the cold star XV86. The commander suit variant. This is the suit that I bring for my commander suit. Is this what, uh, like, Farsight would be wearing? Farsight wouldn't be having this. He uh -huh. has his own specialized suit. Gotcha. Um, other, other Tau commanders have this one? Yeah. Okay. So, basically, this suit, I think for, I think it's 60 more points to outfit it with the uh, Cold Star. It makes it into a flying monstrous creature, but it can't vector strike or do some other, or smash or anything. But... 
So it's a T4 uh, three up save flying monster creature that can fly around the field and just gun down whether it being infantry or tanks with its high output uh, burst cannon, which is six shots at uh, strength five AP five. Yeah. But it's also twin linked and you're BS five, so you're gonna be hitting all those six shots. Absolutely. And then it has also its missile pods for more anti-tank, which is strength seven AP four. What I like to do with my cold star is fly behind the enemy gun line and get all the real armors of tanks because strength five can chew through the real armor of uh, uh, av10 yeah and the either that the burst cannon is doing that or the missiles so xv25 stealth suit equipped with the latest xv stealth armor these troops are the lone wolves of the tau army operating independently of other formations that's interesting I love the look of these models. I actually use the older looking, uh, the older version of the models. So they're basically fire warrior sized, but ba but have like so much armor on them, and they have they walk around with these uh, burst cannons, which are the which are the four shots of strength five AP five, which is just a great amount of dice to chuck out there. So I always. Uh, infiltrate them in, uh, and I always give the uh, sergeant, the Chavray, uh, a fusion blaster, so if they ever come across any uh, tanks or anything, he can pop it as well, so it's a, it's a great little unit for its point cost. Yeah, it's only 90 points, with stealth and shrouded built into the suit, it's just yep. great. Infiltrate, shrouded, stealth, and supporting fire. And it's, it's a jetpack infantry too, so it has its uh, jetpack moves. One wound, toughness three though. Yeah, yeah, well, that's yeah. that's Tau for you. Yeah, yeah. Next one is Commander Shadow Sun's experimental suit, the XV-22. Commander Oshasara, or Shadow Sun, is a heroic leader of the Tau. And she's one of the female Tau leaders. Yeah. Uh, all about the greater good, of course. Uh, she heads into battle into an, with an experimental XV-22 battlesuit, sleek and dynamic piece of equipment. 135 points. Yeah, so she's one of uh, Pure Tide's uh, last students. So uh, Commander Farsight also studied under uh, Pure Tide, who is like the uh, Tau genius of their new rising empire. With uh, Shadow Sun, she's become a hero into herself and kind of has a grudge against uh, Commander Farsight because he, as a lot of people know, that Farsight Enclave is kind of separated from the Tau empire and became their own new thing. They're almost but, rebels within the Tau. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. But uh, Shadow Sun herself comes with stealth and shrouded, just like a regular stealth suit, but also comes with two fusion blasters that she can fire one at either target, which is a great little oh, thing. So she's got split fire with, with each fusion blaster. Exactly. Um, weapon skill 4, ballistic skill 4, strength 4, toughness 3, 3 wounds, 4 attacks, and a 3 up, 5 up. Yep. And one of her drones that she comes with it is like command link drone or something, and can it makes you reroll ones in shooting, mm. so it's a great uh, buff to that. For the command link drone, it's a 20 point upgrade for her, but you nominate a single friendly unit within 12 inches of the drone, and you can uh, reroll all hit rolls of one, so it's basically preferred enemy, but almost within 12 inches for the shooting phase, so that's right. a nice little buff. If you have her next to like a big hitting uh, unit that has, needs, pours a lot of fire, it's a, it's a good upgrade to have. Next on the list, do you have the XV-9 Shasfrey in front of you? Shasfra? So this is uh, the XV-9 Shasfrey. It's basically the sergeant of the crisis suit. So I'm just cover them all in one. Crisis suits are the bread and butter of all of our army list. The amount of upgrades you can give them is insane. The weapons are crazy. So they can basically fit any uh, role that you want them. Either anti-infantry, tank, or a, term, a Terminator equivalent. One variant 
that I'd like to use is have a sergeant of the Chevrolet armed with two flamers, and then I give him one of the relics of fail-safe detonator. So once he dies, you put a large blast over his head, and everything under that takes a string five hit. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so he's my little suicide You're gonna uh, bomber guy. Combat. You're going to get him into combat. If things go yeah. bad, things are going to go yeah, good. So, yeah, so yeah, two flamers on that unit, just go, putting two templates down. So I send him out by himself. Wow. But with all sergeants, you can give him the special issue war gear, mm -hmm. which is basically the relics of the Tau right. thing. So that's a great one. He's a jetpack infantry. He's a weapon skill three, ballistic skill three, strength five, toughness five, two wounds. Um, initiative 3 here, uh, 2 attacks, leadership 8, and a 3-up save. He's got this rule called the Bonding Knife Ritual. It sounds good. I don't know if it, it is any good. <laughs> it sounds cool, but it, I, I never take it. It's one point per model. Okay. Um, and if you, it's basically stubborn uh, that you're paying for it. Uh, so if you lose twenty five less than 25%, you don't have to take the morale check. So, But for one point a model, that's not exact. That, that's kind of nice. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, but again, it could, it's kind of frivolous to yeah. me, but so I just pack on more weapons and stuff. So um, you can take up to three equipment slots on a crisis battlesuit. You can either take weapons or a support system. So that support system can vary from a whole list of it. I think it's... I'm looking at my battle scribe right now. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten different uh, upgrades you can give these guys on top of the six different weapons you can give them. And just by That's default, what... they have three slots for those different yep. upgrades. Yep. Right. Wow. So uh, what normally I would do is fill two slots with weapons and then one for the support system. Gotcha. So um, if I'm feeling like I want a long-range support thing, I give them two missile pods and split fire. So they just in the back, pop, 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 firing from the lines. Or if I want to get in close combat, or not close, I want to get close-ish combat yes, with right, them. Right, right, right. <laughs> I give them uh, the flamers, like I said earlier, and then one guy with a suicide vest on, ready to blow. If not that, uh, all comers suit setup is one plasma rifle, one fusion blaster, which is uh, one strength six AP two shot, or you get to fire both weapons, or uh, eighteen inch range melter. So. Uh -huh. I like to use those most often, and if I'm really sinking points into them, I give them uh, 15 points worth of uh, feel no pain mm. for each model. So it's very very diverse. Yeah, that's a really flexible unit right there. Yeah. So let's talk tactics with these big suits. I mean, clearly offensively, there's a lot of firepower. There's yep. a lot of ignores cover. If you're charging into them, there's a lot of Overwatch coming at you. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of opportunities to get shot. Yeah. Right. Uh, so from a from a, how to handle these guys when you're across the table from them. Say with your Raven Guard, for instance. Yep. What are you going to do? One game, I played a beautiful painted army, but he had a Riptide in the center of his army, and then he had a squad of Fire Warriors flanking on either side. So I'm like, I think I'm going to try, try to charge this thing. So uh, with my um, Vanguard, Venerans, with the Raven Guard, I can deep strike and charge that same turn. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I managed to get a charge off to, uh, turn one and basically cancel out all of its shooting attacks. So what I brought in that little squad was three uh, storm shields and two power fists. So the the shields would soak up the riptides either um, close combat, which are his AP2, mm -hmm. like all monstrous creatures, and try to survive the onslaught of Overwatch that these guys are going to suffer. Yeah. And then once they got in, the Power Fist crumpled that thing. I think the 
top of three, I managed to kill that Riptide, but now the Tau player had a squad of Vanguard veterans in his lines and <laughs> and everything else about to collapse on him. Right. So right. So if you can if you can deep strike in a really attacky unit, yeah, get in there early, yep. keep them busy so they can't fire at anything else on the yeah. table, and just whittle them down. That's probably a good tactic. Yeah. Oh, I would say try to blind them, but I just remembered that with the black sun filters that yeah. all battlesuits have, they have night vision and ignore your blinds. I, I ran into a Tau list at a tournament last year with my war convocation. And I kept getting the conver- the conversion field worked, the four up invol and the oh, conversion yeah. field worked, but the blind test wouldn't do anything. Yeah. Because everybody had these uh, black sun filters on. Yeah. So and I that's just base point. That comes with the model right. with all like battle suits. Right. They have the black sun filters. I had a hard time with in that tournament with the Tau because I had I just couldn't get close enough. Yeah. I just had no opportunity. There, you know, there's no deep striking. Didn't have any drop yeah. pods or anything. You really was, the thing the key strategy is get in their face. Yeah, yeah. As getting, soon as possible. Getting up close and personal as soon as possible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's really difficult to try to outshoot at the tower because they are the kings of shooting. Yeah, the ballistic skill is not the greatest, but they have stuff to fix that. So trying to outshoot the strongest guns in the game is is a tough uh, course of action like all italian it's they 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 crumble in uh, close combat so that's that's what i would try to do and have been doing land raiders are a great delivery system try to punch through tal lines because because of their high armor value yeah the high Hmm. armor value and i luckily when i played against the same tal player a second time I rolled on the new uh, Technomancy Librarius powers, so I basically had a armor value fifteen Land Raider <laughs> going straight ahead with coming right at him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah with right. the, it was just great with my assault terminators and their slicing and dicing. Yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed the uh, managing the meta segment. Hit us up on the Facebook page if you have any questions or comments about it. Anyhow, we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. Orbital Upload. In this uh, first episode, we're talking about list building. List building is something that it's a big part of some people's hobby. Uh, some people just build lists just to see how units work out against each other and with each other to buff and to, to perform some specific offensive or defensive role. And some folks do that without even planning on actually building that list. It's just a fun, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a thing to do. List building is... I think it is uh, key to the 40k experience in that when starting an army, you want to pick the models that you love, that you like the look of, and also the fluff behind it, the whole story behind it. You, cre- you create a couple of different lists for each of your armies. Yeah, uh, yeah, that is correct. The way I have, like, my mindset when it comes to list building is have three different types of lists. First one I want to say is uh, purely narrative or fun list that... You could have a fun game. Try maybe try out some new models with with a bud who's also has the mindset of trying out new stuff and seeing how it works. The second one is more geared to tournament lists that you want to bring the nastiest combos, like the latest meta stuff. Yeah, yeah. like yeah, the big mm-hmm. the big nasties when it comes to like the Tau uh, mechs and the monstrous creatures mm-hmm. that they can produce. Or to uh, kind of my uh, Raven Guard with their uh, deep striking Vanguard turn one and get to assault, which is kind of my bread and butter for that force. But I also like to, um, for my third type of list, is an all comers list that 
I can show up to a gaming club anywhere with a list and no one will take offense to fighting against it and it won't be won't be a pushover. It so has all the aspects that's needed. I know uh, you had brought a list to a game we played on Thursday that was pretty intense. So with that list, I, I literally the day before I'm, uh, I was painting some uh, Devastators that I recently got, and I was like, okay, my Pinion Demi Company for my Raven Guard can only allow one Devastator squad. So let's try to break it up and combat squad it. So I built a 10-man Devastator squad, two missile launchers, and two plasma cannons in combat squad them. So both, if you know Raven Guard tactics, is that the scouts inside that Raven Guard squad gives ignored cover to a unit within nine inches of it. So that kind of was the brainchild for my list. I wanted to get this one unit in that I just painted. Now let's build around that. I don't want to say it was a narrative fun list because it it, it had some it had some teeth to it. Yeah. So I want to say it was either uh, a medium to large sure. on the difficulty level. Sure. So you you started with those scouts and what they could do, how they could buff up units around yep. them. And then you kind of wrapped other units around those to protect exactly. them and to give them the defense they yep. needed. And you also had a pretty special scout model in there. Ah, uh, yes. The man himself, Veteran Graves, yes. was on the table. Veteran Graves. I think it's really cool that you have you have one character in your army that you... I mean, you're a very narrative player. Even when you're playing super aggressively, you're a very narrative player. You're always thinking about the story of how you're building the army and how you're playing it. And I think it's great that you have this character in your army, Veteran Graves, who yeah. has proven his worth yeah. in that army time and time Countless again. Countless of games. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right down to... You brought him here tonight to the studio, and you have an Eldar head on the base of this yeah. model. Like, the bodies of the vanquished are, like, collecting yeah. around Veteran yeah. Graves' feet. It's so cool. Yeah, so he single-handedly... <laughs> killed three bike squads and like not in one game but over the time so every game you get he gets at least one of my brother's jet bike squads <laughs> and sometimes if he's lucky he gets a willard here and there and uh, last thursday was one of those days he did turn like, five turn five my poor I, I needed the piece of terrain that uh, veteran graves was uh, keeping an eye on he yeah. wasn't hiding he no. was keeping an eye on that piece of terrain <laughs> he was fortifying <laughs> he was fortifying that terrain with his very presence with his very aura of victory yep and just uh, himself a crack grenade and a power sword and uh sure enough sure enough turn five i, I missed i missed her two up i missed her feel no pain and that was the end of it that was yep. my last chance to get that piece of terrain yeah. and if she was able to take graves down he would have won the game the yeah, final but, score of that game was 11 to 9 it was 11 9. <laughs> right. so i got that point because of warlord and i had to secure objective uh building four that which was he was it. occupying that was it that was your that was two more points that, that i had <laughs> One thing I like to keep in mind through my whole turn of play or reflecting on a game is did that unit make up their points? Right. So what I mean right. by that is, okay, I have a 150-point unit of Devastators. Did they kill 150 points? Every game I try to reflect on any army, I recommend saying, did this unit make its points up? And if all of them did, you probably are the winner of the game, you know? Right. It's, a, it's an interesting way to look at it. People say that model does work. You know, that model does the work. And the work is really earning its point value. Yep. If a 150-point unit takes out 300 points of models, then you don't really have to feel so bad when in the yep. next turn that unit gets wiped off the table because yeah, they like, did their work. They, they did their, their job. Dues, exactly, you know? yeah. I would be curious to see uh, Veteran Graves's point point oh, tally from that, that game he's probably into the, the like the five to one ratio i want to say so you know good. so good um i think it's really interesting that there are opportunities in in this hobby to to have a model that kind of you build the backstory for that particular model you know if you have a model that's really kicking ass for you game and game again 
do something special to the to the yeah. model. You know, put some some extra you know marks on on the pauldron, yeah. or put some some really <laughs> like the bloody Eldar <laughs> that Brian has on veteran graves yeah. as base. You extra know. purity seals everywhere. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. No, to improve his rank or at least his standing yeah. in the company by just by changing the way it looks after a couple of rounds of play is is really kind of cool. Listeners, I wonder if you guys do something similar. Do you? Uh, base a particular character differently after they've had a certain number of like really cool narrative moments or uh, do you you know do you put marks on the armor after a certain point do you have a scout that's made it into the space marine legion or into the space marine uh, tactical squad or something has a scout ever become a space marine captain Uh, i think that's a really uh, a really cool thing to do and uh, it certainly served brian well in the form of veteran graves Cool. So that was a tactical upload. I hope you guys found it helpful and interesting. Um, I certainly did. We'll take a quick break and we'll be back. If you like what you hear, do join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash crew shaken and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you got this episode. So thanks again for checking us out. I hope you enjoy this first episode. All right, let's dive into the future history section of the podcast. The topic for this episode is the Grey Knights, chapter 666. I honestly did not know or had forgotten that that was their chapter number, 666, until I started researching for this section of the podcast. I chose the Grey Knights for the first future history segment of the Crusaken podcast because I have kind of a love-hate relationship with the Grey Knights. I will definitely have a love-hate relationship with playing against them across the table because they can be a very tough army, but also a love-hate relationship with them in the fluff. Because while I, you know, in the stories, you can see how they fulfill this really necessary role of being those very focused, super psyker demon hunters. Clearly, the Imperium needs that, right? But at the same time, anyone who sees what the Grey Knights do has to be exterminated. So anybody that fights alongside the Grey Knights, anybody that sees the Grey Knights coming into their town to come and save the day, if you will, by the very circumstances that brought the Grey Knights to your planet to help, is sort of a death sentence for you. It is your end. Which I, you know, I have a hard time getting my mind around that. And I think in one of the novels, I, I wish I could remember which one it was, there's a huge stack sitting over there on the shelf, so... Forgive me, I did not go through all of them to find this particular spot. But I can remember a couple of places in one of these novels where other space marines had a big problem with that. Had a big problem with the fact that the Grey Knights were coming, or the Grey Knights were here. Which meant basically that a big part of the population of this planet had to get wiped out, not by the demons, but by the simple fact that they saw the Grey Knights and knew of their existence. And granted... Knowing of the Grey Knight's existence means you know of demons and chaos's existence, which is the the reason for the death sentence, right? But still, I thought it was really, really interesting that there was a there was a tension created by the presence of the Grey Knights and how other chapters had a big problem with that. I could certainly see, uh, like, I could certainly see the Salamanders having a big problem with this, right? Because they're so dedicated and so focused on, on, you know, they are the good guys. You know, they are the heroes in the night. Those are the guys who are going to work really hard to save as many people as they can. So I can certainly see them having a big problem with the Grey Knights coming in, killing a bunch of demons, and then saying, okay, well, all the witnesses have to go too, which is essentially what happens. So so what about the Grey Knights? We'll go into a little bit of their background. What I'm going to read to you is uh, taken from a number of sources online. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. So they are chapter 666. They are based on Titan and were established during the second founding by Malkador the Sigilite. So I think 
Personally, Malkador is an awesome character. Anything he touches is, is definitely very interesting, is definitely going to have a very deep story, and is definitely worth, worth the time to learn more about, because I think Malkador is just such an interesting character throughout all these stories. So they were founded by Malkador the Sigilite to battle the demons of chaos. And the Grey Knights are all psychers. They're all super powerful psychers. They serve as the Inquisition's, or- the Inquisition's Ordo Malleus's chamber militant. So they are sort of the, you know, they are the, the shiny demon-killing arm of the Ordo Malleus. The Inquisition and chapter masters have been allowed to know of their existence. So only chapter masters of the other chapters and the Inquisition itself are the only ones who are really supposed to know that the Grey Knights exist. It says here, many chapters believe the Grey Knights to be a myth, if they have even heard of them at all. Space Marines who encounter... This is where it gets really bad. Space Marines who encounter them are telepathically scoured, while Imperial Guard regiments that fight alongside are simply executed. So you can imagine these regiments of Imperial Guardsmen who are fighting alongside these guys. A bitter victory might be won, and then, well, it's time for you guys to go. That's where I have the problem. That's where there's this great dramatic tension right there at that moment when your ally has to be executed, your ally has to become your, your foe. The Space Wolves know of their existence, however, after slaughtering Grey Knights, Red Hunters, and Inquisition forces during what the Grey Knights call the month, the Months of Shame. The Months of Shame. I have to read more about that. I had never heard about that um, until I started researching for this spot. So the, the Space Wolves have a, a big chip on their shoulder about the whole Grey Knights situation as well. So I thought that was really interesting. So that was a brief foray into the Grey Knights. That was a brief future history section. How do you guys feel about Grey Knights? Send us a message on Facebook. Let us know what you think. Again, the dramatic tension, it's wonderful, but I don't necessarily like it. That tension of these being the good guys, but by even knowing that these good guys exist, means you're done. Super interesting, and just another super grimdark facet of, uh, of this amazing story that we all, we all enjoy so much. Cool. So I hope you enjoyed that. Um, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be back with The Chosen. Alright guys, in this section, The Chosen, this is our kind of best of, kind of pick of the episode. So for my, for my pick, I really like this secret servitor thing that we had done around the holidays. Our local gaming group has a website on such website. There was a, an opportunity to sign up for Secret Servitor in which you are assigned another player who gets to request an army and a model, essentially, or just a role to be filled within that army that you uh, volunteer to paint. As a Christmas exchange. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, and, and you're swapped with somebody else, so you're not necessarily painting for the person who's painting for you. It's kind of a round robin kind of a thing, right? So I received an Iron Hands librarian that uh, Colin painted. It looks awesome. Looks wow. so cool. Got a great like blue flowing cape. He did this really great green illumination effect in oh, his that's hand. Sweet. Yeah. It's the librarian from the Dark Angels box, so it just looks. It's okay. really really super characterful. It looks great. Um, so that'll be the third one in my three-man Okay, so that'll make up your... Yeah. yeah, so that'll be the third, which is great. And I had the opportunity to paint for Dark Angels. I took the Death Watch Dark Angels guy, filed down the Death Watch kind of engravings oh, okay. on his pauldron, you know? Sure. And put him on this big kind of bulky base of a piece of cork okay. with some of those uh, plastruct I-beams oh, yeah. that I rusted, yeah. you know? And then a, a patch of grass. Uh, it turned out really good. And it was nice because the person I had built and painted that for didn't have a proper captain model. Oh, okay. So that could fill a nice niche nice. in his army, too. I thought it was good to have somebody else paint a specific thing 
for your army. It just kind of introduces another sure. look. And I think when there's one model that kind of sticks out, it makes you think differently about that model's story. Like maybe he hasn't been in the strike force that long. You yeah. know, maybe he's new to the new to the team, so to speak. Yeah. Or he comes from some kind of different background that requires sure. him to look a bit look a little bit different, which I kind of liked. Yeah. yeah. So Brian, how about you? What's your what's your pick for the chosen this episode? So I most uh, recently invested in purchasing a new uh, carrying case for my army because I've been kind of being bumming it and just having a cardboard box bringing around to the, the store. I see everyone else is with these at least semi-decent cases to bring the army. So I'm like, yeah, I need to up up my game. So I recently uh, picked up a battle foam bag. So when I picked out the bag, so basically just an empty bag. That, you got the empty I, 432. Yeah, yeah which is 432. All the molly uh, straps on the outside and everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So and red too, so it looks extra special. Yeah, yeah the, the red makes the difference. <laughs> oh yeah, you yeah know? it's a shiny the, red the orc, too. The orcs know what they're talking about. Oh, yeah. Reds go faster. <laughs> so um, about a week after I got that, I placed the order in from Battle Foam, and basically, well, what you have to do is select the different trays you want to have in your uh, your bag so you, what i got was uh two uh trays for vehicle wise so i have one tray for my land raider and for my stormhawk interceptor flyer and then i have another tray for dreadnoughts and land speeders and stuff and then the two trays above that i have all for my infantry so it was nice because the trays that were on sale or also the trays that were perfectly fit my army it perfect had Cool. That was The Chosen. We'll take a quick break and be right back. So that's it for episode one. I feel like Crew Shaken is off to a good start. We covered uh, we covered the big towel. Yep. We talked about list building. Hobbies that we've been working on and yeah. uh, what's been uh, standing out most recently for us. My Me with my brand new carrying case. The shiny red battle foam, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And uh, you're a secret servitor, so... Let us know what you think of that secret servitor idea. I'd also be curious to know if any other gaming groups out there do something similar. Thanks for listening, guys. Again, we are at facebook.com slash crewshaken. And on iTunes, do leave us a review or a note in either spot if you like what we did today. And thanks for listening for the Crew Shaken podcast. I've been Tim. And I've been Brian. Thanks for listening. <laughs>